Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Kia ora. Welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host Jordan, I'm a mum of one, soon to be two boys and a lover of all things birth and a very passionate storyteller. The goal of Kiwi Birth Tales is to empower, inform, educate and connect families from New Zealand and all over the world, talking about the things that are so often kept to ourselves or shared with only our nearest and dearest because of this taboo that seems to surround sharing stories about birth. All stories deserve to be heard, no story more important than the other, And with this podcast, you'll get a variety without bias. The podcast is not intended for medical advice. I'm not an advocate for any particular mode of birth or birth care. And this platform is simply here to share these beautiful, empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. So I hope you enjoy. In this bonus episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Morgan Penn. And Morgan is a somatic sexologist. And you're about to find out exactly what that means in this episode. But we discuss all things postpartum intimacy. We talk about what postpartum intimacy even means and how we maybe need to reframe um, what sex is after having children and that things are different over different periods of time. Morgan has some really awesome tips um, and we answer some questions that came through on the Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram when I asked you for some questions or suggestions on topics to talk about. So I just think that this is a super important episode and I look forward to bringing you these professional episodes as much as possible because I just think there's so much value to gain and what Morgan has to share with us. So let's jump into the episode. I hope you enjoy it and I'd love to hear your feedback if you want to send me an email kiwibirthtales at gmail.com or a message on Instagram at KiwiBirthTales. Enjoy. Hi Morgan, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, well thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. (laughs) No problem. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and what it is that you do and yeah, maybe a little bit about what we'll be chatting about today? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Morgan Penn and I'm a somatic sexologist, uh, which means I help people have better sex, really, uh, whether that's with themselves or with other people. And um, the somatic side of it is working with the body. And this is really important to me because, you know, sex is something that happens in the mind and in the body. And so Mm. we have to really integrate it to be having good sex and um, yeah I'm just really passionate about supporting women's bodies especially because you know we've kind of because of the way that the society is structured um, pleasure has always been focused around men's pleasure and a lot of our sex education falls into fear Mm. around pregnancy um, and STIs um, instead of pleasure and you know, and and then I think it's a taboo subject, right? Just sex yeah. as a whole, but almost even more so when it comes to like pregnancy or postpartum, it's like there's this secret 
club, you know, that people have got <laughs> lots of shame around. And, um, yeah, I'm just I'm so passionate about breaking those taboos, normalising these conversations and helping people connect to their bodies. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. No, I um, am 100% on board with that, so I can't wait to jump into it. <laughs> um, do you sort of want to give us a bit of an idea, I guess, before we – I've got a list of questions that um, listeners submitted on the Kiwi Birthdays Instagram. So before we jump into those, I thought maybe we could just chat about um, whether or not it's actually normal for your sex drive or libido to sort of change throughout pregnancy and postpartum or just throughout our lives in general. Is that something that's pretty normal? And um, yeah, what happens happens there? Yeah, it is so normal. And I think this is the thing. People freak out like, oh my God, I used to be this wild brumby Mm. in the sack (laughs) all the time, you know, and then, something's happened or yeah there's been birth or um and it is so normal we fluctuate and you think about say like the fashion we liked when we were 18 Mm. as opposed to what we like now you know um it's it's completely different and it's okay We, we change and we adapt and we grow and we evolve and it's exact same thing with our arousal levels and I mean so many things affect what happens in terms of arousal and Mm. libido in the body, whether that's hormones. um, You know, the biggest thing that I see that will probably affect it is cortisol, you know, is the stress hormone sitting in the body. And um, I think what we don't get taught because of um, things like Instagram showing us like these sexy mamas that are straight back in (laughs) with these flat tummies and smooching up their partners um, is that, we need to really connect into our truth of what Mm. our body needs and wants. And we are like really primal beings. And the thing is like really those primal urges for having sex is to procreate and have another, the baby or a baby. And so really, if we've just done that, the body's like, ah, good. I can relax and chill Mm. for a bit here. So actually the arousal in the body just, most of the time will not be there and I think the big key piece here of work for everybody every human but especially um, mothers is that our body is going to change and Mm. we need to just accept it for what it's going through at different times and the more we can sit in that space of acceptance the more we get comfortable with it the more we're not forcing or fighting or judging what's happening the more space we're giving it to really feel and then it can shift. But if we force and sit like, I can't believe I'm not horny anymore. Mm. What's wrong with me? It just like keeps us in this loop and, and and we stay there for a lot longer than what we need to instead of going, yeah, okay. So this is what my body's experiencing Mm. at the moment. What are my body needs? You know, where can I tend to myself and um, give myself more love and more acceptance and more space, and then things will shift and change. Yeah, yeah, and it's so interesting. And I think, like, the sort of part that you said about mother, like being a mother and having a baby being the, you know, the sort of primal urge to procreate, um, I can imagine it's really different as well for males and females because, you know, we've procreated, been pregnant, 
made a baby given birth um, and have all these hormonal shifts throughout that time um, and maybe slightly different for men because they do the deed of having the sex um, but then don't have all of that, um, you know, all of the same processes to go through afterwards. So it can, I can, I can sort of relate to the disconnect um, that might be felt between couples postpartum where maybe the mum just has no sex drive at all, but the um, partner or dad might feel the opposite. Absolutely. And, you know, when we, because we are here talking about this primal, like old school kind of stuff is like, yeah, he's sown his seed, right? And he's Mm. seen like, yes, I can do this. And, (laughs) you know, then that primal brain is like, oh, I want to go and do it again and again, like spread that wild seed. And, um, And so this is where, like, communication needs to come in. This is where understanding, this is where um, personal responsibility for our Mm. own pleasure needs to really come in as well. And I think men can feel really lost at this time, you Mm. know, because you're so right that their arousal, their urges, I mean, they're probably lacking a lot of sleep, so there is potential that their libido is going to go down as well with the new baby. Um. But yeah, it is about like, just because one partner is going through something does not mean the other partner has to, you know, pump the brakes on their own pleasure or arousal, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. It's so interesting that you say that because I think like accepting that our partners can have pleasure without us is a really important um, just process, I guess, to go through as in... um, I remember just to give a personal example, I remember postpartum with my first son. um, I almost felt like, Oh, I'm not doing like my job as a partner. If my partner needs to masturbate when I've sort of come completely full circle with that. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) if he wants to masturbate, then that's totally up to him. Um, You know, his pleasure is is his pleasure and and he can do what he needs to sort of fulfill that. So I think it's just a really interesting mindset. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and I I love that you've shared that because I think it's so important, you know. I think Mm. we can place judgment, you know, even on a partner when, you know, we can be feeling we so that's so far from what we could even want for our bodies. But, like, how how dare you, you know. But it's like, no, celebrate them, you know. But, yeah, tell them to get to the other bedroom or, you know, (laughs) in the shower or or whatever. Or, you know, what I do say is, like, if you're still looking for that deep connection and intimacy, which I think – is so important is you know you can still do things like one partner playing in the bed you know and you can still Mm. be there to to look or to support or to hold or kiss or you know there can still be you know I think we almost need to reframe the term sex or what sex actually means you know when when we're talking about postpartum yeah no Totally, totally agree with that. (laughs) Awesome. So let's jump into some of these questions. Um, Otherwise, I'll just be talking about myself all day. Um, (laughs) So the first one that came in is around communication. How do I communicate and set boundaries together with my partner for postpartum sex and and what that might look like? Yeah, so I really like this. And I think what a question like this tells me is like how important communication is in relationships like Mm. right from the get-go, you know, because if you have got a good foundation of open, hearty communication, 
for anything in the relationship, then this chat should be quite easy. Mm. But I guess what's happening in this moment is that there's a whole new body that's that's <laughs> sitting on the table ready to go into some sex again, feeling ready, you know? And so I think what needs to happen with that communication is being really, really honest. Like this is where radical honesty needs to come mm. in, you know, talking through all this person's fears, fears and insecurities, because yes, that body has changed a lot, you know? Yeah. And there's such a piece of sexual identity once people have had babies um, of who they are in their sexual body now. And so I guess like, like even like reversing a bit is like I would recommend learning what your boundaries are with yourself sexually mm. first. So whether that's you start touching and exploring your body first, masturbating, self-pleasuring, to see what your new body actually likes because mm. it can wake up different parts after a baby that you didn't even know were in a rotting <laughs> zone. Yeah. Yeah. You're giggling? Can you relate? <laughs> oh, I just remember feeling like I, I didn't even give birth um, vaginally with Jai the first time I had a C-section, but I remember feeling like just so different, like different things turned me on and different things felt good. And yeah, I just think I can just really relate with what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, it is about this, like, it's quite a beautiful thing because you get to almost start fresh, mm. you know, you can bring in this curiosity and what I would say is just go so slow, mm. you know? So really this communication um, around boundaries and stuff is just to have that honest chat, share the fears, insecurities, share your needs and desires. If you've mm. actually gotten to that point, cause that's really, you know, key. And um, yeah, I think if you can both just explore, be curious um, and go really slow and know that once you start, you know, you don't have to keep going. You can yeah. stop. You can yeah. change tact. If it doesn't feel right, you know, it's really about honoring the body the mm -hmm. most and tapping into the body wisdom at this point. And if you've got a, a safe partner, you know, a partner that you feel really safe and open with, like they will be on that journey with mm. you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And I guess like in terms of when you're having that conversation, it's probably really um, a great idea to start that in pregnancy, right? Like even our um, arousal and and body feels different during pregnancy too. So I'd imagine that would be a really great time to start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. Like your body's changing and it's a good time within that to set your, your new boundaries. Mm. And I think with boundaries, when your body is changing so much, just knowing that there can be fluidity within it. So, yeah. you know, it's just like a consent piece, really. Like you can say no to one thing, yes to another, but that may change the next day, you know? So it's about this, the communication needs to be rolling mm. so that it can change tact at different times and be open to try different things as well. Because yeah. one day might feel really good. The next day it's like, don't you freaking go near my nipples, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 hundred percent. Cool. Um, the next question that came in is, is it normal to lose sex drive after a baby? I have absolutely no interest and I'm six months on. Yeah. I mean, we'd sort of, you know, and this is a big question, right? And, mm. and so many people ask this of me, a lot of clients. Um, and yes, it is. And I'd yeah. be curious to know if this person was still breastfeeding um, because quite often when 
we're breastfeeding, then there's the body knows that the baby is still being tended to. So it mm. goes back to that conversation about sort of those primal urges. The body knows it's just had a baby if you're still breastfeeding, you know. So yeah. um, and you're, you are nurturing and feeding and that's the ma- the body's main job, right, is still to feed this baby. Yeah. So there's not actually that much capacity for arousal that's happening at this time. Um, but also I think, one of the biggest things and you know it's interesting they've said six months on it's like you know because we get told oh about six weeks after you should be good Mm. to go like (laughs) what a crock of shit you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. um it's really and it's different for everybody right Mm. sure some people might be ready to go but um there is no time frame for this and the body is so interesting it's got its own wisdom and it will tell you you know, and um, it's gone quite often this birth trauma and, and shock. Mm. It's like the body, you know, sometimes doesn't really realize what's happened and it's almost like it needs to catch up. And yeah. so I, I think for things like this, if somebody is, is, is concerned that they don't have their sex drive back after a baby, after six months sort of on, you start warming and waking your body up just to see what's alive there, to see if you can find some arousal. So I would recommend really slow, curious touches on your erogenous zones. Like you could even spend five minutes slowly stroking, you know, your inner wrist, you know, while you're sitting there like watching the baby sleep, you know, and Mm. just see what you can feel. You know, can you bring your nails in and scratch a little bit and see if that feels more tantalizing or, you know, can you feel something peak in your body that feels like pleasure? So it's about finding the little things Mm. because we quite often think, oh, God, you know, we need big things and we need orgasms and we need all this kind of stuff, but it's not. We need to start Mm. really small again and seeing where we can find little bits in our body that just feels good. And then once we've found something, we follow the pleasure and we allow it to grow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. I love that. It's like sex feels like this huge mountain, right? That you just have to, like, I think you've mentioned it, like the societal sort of pressure is that you have to get right to the top of this mountain at six weeks postpartum. And I think it's really, really important that um, we understand that actually that's not the case and it might feel right for some people, but um, for others, it's, yeah, a really can be a really slow journey and that is totally fine. Yes. Yes. Cause the, the biggest thing that is going to keep libido killed is pressure. Yeah. You know, like that is the worst. So it really is about patience mm. and kindness and tenderness to what the body's been through and awe. We should be yeah. so in awe of this yeah. body, you know, like, oh yeah. my God, it's brought life into this world. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Awesome. So I think you've probably answered um, the next question but what about any tips that you have so if you feel ready to sort of get back into um, being intimate with your partner do you have any tips on um, on where to start and if somebody's really nervous what advice would you give them yeah so if they're nervous that means that the whole body is probably feeling um, uneasy Mm. and 
it's about sex is always about safety to be honest like to have really good sex we need safe enough to let go Mm. so it's about creating a new base layer of safety and um so again it's slow like everything should be so so slow and I guess like this is a really simple exercise but just cultivating that intimacy with your partner so eye gazing it's a really mm. like simple but easy way to really connect. Holding that gaze, um, you can sit in front of each other. You can place a hand on each other's heart space. You know, see if you can feel that heartbeat. Breathe together. See if you can align your breaths. This is like really, really easy stuff, but it will mm. really change things. Like if you do that. Five, for five minutes before you start actually exploring each other's bodies, um, you're going to notice like a deep connection, mm. safety, trust. Um, and yeah, and then you can kind of move forward from there. And I think the thing is with anything, if you're nervous, then it is about communication, mm. right? And sometimes people don't have this communication skill because we're not taught it. It's not you know, something that Mm. really does come natural to us. So, you know, finding out in your relationship what works. So is it like a traffic light system um, of like, okay, red, so it just means stop, you know, Um, orange, or um, can you slow down a bit or just pause or like green, like this is feeling good, green, 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 you know. Um, We just need to work out within our own little unit how we're going to communicate because the worst thing that you can do for your body postpartum when you're starting to have sex again is to endure. Mm. And I think a lot of people do this for their partner. Yeah. Um, and the, the, that is the worst thing that you can do because your body doesn't understand why it's giving you signals like anxiety, like that nervousness in the tummy or pain. That's a huge one that I see with my clients. Mm. Um, and we're overriding them. And the body's like, huh? Like I'm sending you some pretty clear messages here mm. that I, I, I don't feel good right now. So when we override it, it confuses confuses our pleasure centers, and um, and and then it and then it will create more of it because it's not, yeah. we're not listening to it, and then it's going to take longer to overcome things or to feel safe. Well, you're definitely not creating safety in the body mm. if you're overriding and enduring. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Mm. Cool. Um, the next question that came through is, I have a prolapse. Will sex ever stop feeling uncomfortable? Yeah, so this isn't my area of expertise. But what I do know about prolapses is that they are definitely fixable. Mm. And I and so, yes, I really believe that pain-free sex is what we should all be having. And we can yeah. definitely get to that point. Um this person needs some really like a skilled hands-on body mm. worker. Um, but also this person can do a lot of their own healing. And yeah. I think this is a, a big part. It's like as society, we're not taught how to have a really good relationship with our own vaginas. Mm. You know, we're, we're eat, like grossed out when we bleed each month and, um, you know, don't, we don't get used to just like putting our fingers in there and giving yeah. ourselves a massage to like, 
relax those muscles. They're just like the muscles in our shoulder, you know, that mm. hold tension. And as women, we're receptacles, you know, because we, we hold all that stress in there. Um, and so we need to start touching ourselves, giving ourselves womb massages. And um, when we can do that, we help all those organs in there align and get back into a natural space. Mm. So, yes, I absolutely do believe that if with the right help and with your own body um, connection, you can definitely get to a place where sex will be great and yeah. not uncomfortable. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, this person has asked, are there best positions for less painful sex after a baby? Yes. Well, I mean, it just, it depends, right? Mm. It depends where this person is hurting after a baby or, um, yeah, if it's been a C-section or a vaginal birth. Mm. Um, but I guess what I recommend is like ones that we're not like on the belly. Um, yeah. And, you know, so like spooning, the spooning position is quite good with the person from behind yeah. um, entering into the vagina. Um, I think things like getting on top, so like reverse missionary, is great for the control so mm. that, that the vagina owner can, you know, really control the depth um of what's going inside and the actual motion you know and i think that's really a good part of safety you know when we're mm. talking about creating the safety again if you've got the control then um that's going to help build confidence in that um and i think it's again like in terms of the positions it's like the com it's more the communication so throughout you're actually saying oh actually that doesn't feel good mm. let's try this or moving, you know, into different things, or stopping, or pausing, or, um, you know, or even like, like I said, do we need to redefine sex? Yeah. So that it's yeah. not about penetrative sex, you know? Is it about, you know, fingers, or oral, or um, mm. just bringing in toys, or, um, yeah, so it's, it's, I don't know, it's one of those things, I think it's so different for everybody, um, and it's just about knowing where you might be experiencing some discomfort and mm. avoiding triggering those those parts off. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm. Now, I think this question probably came through like at least 20 times <laughs> when I asked oh. for them. So um, how do I get the spark back with my partner after years together and a couple of kids? I feel like we're just friends who parent together and live in the same household. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I hear this a lot as well. Mm. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think it's totally doable. That's what I will say because I have yeah. people that come to me and they're like, Oh my God, is this possible? Like have we mm. totally lost it. And I'm like, no. And the thing is, if you've had it before, you can do it again. Mm. So when we talk about like good sex and stuff like that, we want to look at the context around when you have in a time of your life had really good sex or you've felt a lot of arousal or desire in your body. And if we can both like with two partners, if you can share with each other, like a, a time where you felt the most sexiest or that you think you had the hottest sex, share that with each other. It's going to bring back body feelings of that memory mm. and it's going to kind of bring it back to life. 
And then you need to work out the context around it. What made it so good? You know, where were you? What were there probably no stresses, no kids, (laughs) you know? And it's like, okay, so what's the reality you're living in now? And what aspects of that context can you bring into now, you know? Mm. Was it that, yeah, it was in the back of a car? Well, can you have a weekend without the kids and go and do that somewhere, mm. you know? Um, just, just it's it's so funny. Like, we get into routines and we put children first, which is fantastic and fine for, you know, whatever's working in your relationship. But when we're looking at the spark, we need to go back to when we first got that spark, when that mm-hmm. fire was first lit, and remember what that feels like because we forget and at that early stages you know we're making an effort for ourselves for that other person so what you can even do is like plan a date night and you get ready by yourselves you don't you know for that day I recommend not touching each other because we quite often touch partners in a very unconscious way Mm. it's like a tap on the butt when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm here or a shoulder touch or something. Um, and if we just know that we're not allowed to touch them for a day, it becomes this really like, oh, weird. I sort of Mm. thought they were mine to just touch willy-nilly, and then you kind of get excited about, oh, I might actually like to touch them, you know? Mm. So if you take that off the table for a day, you get ready for your date separately, um, and and then you come together and you have your date, and you act as if, like, you are young again and mm. you are in the very early stages of dating and I think um, another key piece of the spark is that we think that we know everything about our partner right after a few years <laughs> yeah. but we don't and it's about bringing in this curiosity again like mm. you do when you first start dating someone you know you don't it's a stranger so start asking your partner different questions about them about their childhood about random things like their views on I don't know elevators you know you (laughs) can get seriously strange with this stuff um and and I think that yeah that that can bring the spark like learn new things because it's like oh that's so intriguing that's so different Mm -hmm. um and then once you've kind of got that going on again then you can really move to the sexy stuff again and and whether or not that's like well do we what what do we want to try what have we never tried and I always say a really good exercise is to each like get some post-it notes two different colors and write on different post-it notes a different desire or something you would like to try and um and then you both put them into a jar and then say if you dedicate like one night a week to, to date night, then you go into the jar and you pull out the opposite color that you've put in of your partners and you read it out and you go, oh, okay, this is what you want to, okay. 
and sometimes that's easier right than having a conversation divulging that you've got this like secret foot fetish that you've never (laughs) shared about and then you can both discuss okay well do we feel comfortable in doing this shall we try this Mm. um and then you can yeah try something new together yeah I love that idea I think that's such a cool um cool way to sort of reconnect and like learn something about one another that you might not have known before and yeah even if you've been together for a really long time I think that's really nice yeah and it's fun you know and I think we're serious about sex we have to bring the fun into it yeah yeah for sure awesome um this person has said i had a traumatic birth and now i have absolutely no sex drive how can i overcome this so there were quite a few questions about regaining or refinding sex drive after a traumatic um, birth that came through yeah Uh, yeah i mean it makes me pretty sad it shows like the state of the nation to me really what's happening with our birthing bodies Mm. um and so I think, yeah, like it's it, quite often, like I mentioned, there's there's a shock in the body. Mm. It's a bit like doesn't know how to. It needs safety again. It comes back to the safety, and so um, real gentle touch with yourself yeah. again. Um, and this doesn't have to be sexual. This can mm. be like a nurturing touch of cupping your face. Um, stroking your arms, squeezing your arms together like you're hugging, um, you know, holding your belly that was, you know, and, and feeling into where that baby grew. Mm. Um, and if there's a scar there from a C-section, really honouring that scar. And so part of my work is I, I do hands-on body work. And so I do scar remediation for C-section scars and what I do find is that if a C-section has happened, quite often there's a real disconnect with the body around knowing that it's actually had a baby mm. because it's like it knows. It's got its innate wisdom that babies should, and I hate to use that kind of should, but you know, come through the cervix, out the birth canal, and then it's out that way. You know, It can't really comprehend why it's now got this painful scar Mm. on its belly and so cognitively we know that but it's about the body catching up so if there's a c-section it needs to have this full deep presence and reverence for the body and so spending time with that scar seeing if there's emotion sitting there and really allowing whatever trauma is to come out of there Mm. um and, and it is easier sometimes if you have someone to facilitate that, you know, which is yeah. why I offer those kind of services because sometimes we just need someone to hold that space, yeah. you know, yeah. safety, touch. Um, and then say if it's traumatic, feeling traumatic from a vaginal birth, um, that needs to be really, really checked in on and, and honoured and to see if there's pain because – I work with a lot of clients who have secondary vaginismus because of um, traumatic birth mm-hmm. or just birth in general. And I think that society doesn't really encourage us to seek help for yeah. traumatic birth. It's just like, oh, God, I've got a traumatic birth story. And then, blah, 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 blah. you know, it's like 
this is a fucking huge thing for the body to go through. And if we do not really honor and look at and acknowledge the bigness that the body's been through, we get stuck in a cycle. And when we look at vaginismus, that's a 90% psychological, um, they call it a disorder. I would never call it that, mm. um, you know, thing that's happening to the body because the body's talking to us like the vagina is closed for business because it doesn't want anything in there anymore because it's had a fright that's when your vagina is like super tight right is that right yeah yeah so yeah so vaginismus is when the the pelvic floor muscles pretty much like tense up and they just go so tight that the the body and the mind have got no control Mm -hmm. over them so it means that there can be excruciating pain on trying to like put anything inside Mm -hmm. And it feels can feel like hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, I've got a, a vaginismus client who um, had a C-section, but they dilated her um, and she thought she was going to have a vaginal birth, and but they didn't. But she acquired a, like a micro tear mm. in her vagina um, a few months later out of nowhere. And the medical professionals have not been able to make sense of it. They're like, well, this is weird. Okay, off you go. Mm -hmm. And she finally found me and I was like, okay, let's have a look what's going on here. And I was like, your body has not been able to make sense of what's happened. And Mm -hmm. the thing is with vaginismus, because it is a big piece that's psychological, you know, and then the body actually, like, represents pain right if we can't acknowledge Mm. it it will physically manifest in aches and ailments and all sorts of stuff so she's on a deep um, journey of connecting with her body now and actually dropping into the bigness that happened with that birth Mm. and the trauma that she was like not expecting and it's and it's healing you Mm. know it's just like we just need to be with the body. We need to stay with it. We need to connect and we need yeah. to acknowledge the bigness of what happens during birth. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. And this question is around a partner not being ready. So I'm ready for sex, but my hubby isn't. I'm nine months postpartum. How can I get him in the mood? Oh, yeah, this is so interesting. And I think we forget about, you know, partners. And, you know, it's mm. kind of like what we were talking about earlier about um, pleasure and, and still yeah. self-pleasuring. Um, and we kind of, especially, you know, this is a hubby, but we also we also kind of think for men, like, they should be rearing to go when we mm. are. Um, but that's just not true either. And mm. men's emotions are really tied to arousal and erections. And so... I would be, yeah, having some really hearty chats with your partner around what's what what is he experiencing? Has he has he got some fears? What's you know? I mean, this is going to be a pretty vulnerable chat. Um, I and you know he may not even know, mm-hmm. and it could be quite good to you know go to a sex therapist or someone like myself for something like this because yeah. um, there might be something underlying there for him. That just needs to be brought to the surface and unraveled, you know. Mm. Um, it's not about, it's not your job to get him in the mood. It's his job. Yeah. But it, it, in a relationship, 
if you are incapable of having those chats or you've had chats and you're still stuck or you're at a crossroads, like do not hesitate to get help. You know, mm-hmm. a third party can literally zoom out, Google Maps, have a really good look, the lay of the land and then pinpoint, you know, where you can start yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Cool. Um, how do I go from feeling touched out by my baby to then getting turned on by touching with my partner? I think this was a really common one too. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so hard. I totally get it. Yeah. So I guess the you know, what I'm hearing here is the touched out. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're giving, you're giving, baby is taking, and then it can feel like that with a partner, like they want to take more. Mm. So what do you need? Do you need to be given to, you know? Mm. Do you need to receive massages, foot rubs, um, just you start receiving mm. pleasure, you know? I think there is a time in our relationships, it, it doesn't have to be mutual all yeah. the time, you know? It really can be a giving. And if the more that you're able to receive when you are giving to a baby – the better that you're going to feel in your body because Mm. yes, you can feel so depleted. And I think actually, again, this is almost like a psychological thing. You feel like you're giving so much, but we've always got capacity for more. Mm. But if you feel like in your, if you've got a story running that all I do is give all that happens is I get taken from you're, you're stuck, you know, you're in a vicious loop. So I think receiving is so important and being able to say those needs to mm. your partner. Um, and, but also like, and, but I know this is hard because people are so tired and exhausted, but like giving yourself those touches, loving touches is going to help wake up your body into a, mm. you know, back into a sexual body as well. And I think some people don't realize that, It'll, it can all cohabitate, right? You can be a mum and be nurturing a baby with those breasts and you can still be a sexual person mm. as well. And you can, you know, you can get aroused by those same breasts for some people. Yeah. Um, it can all live in one, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other, but only if you truly feel like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, you can do different kind of sexy things without touching, as Mm. well you know if you feel like you just can't that's the last thing that you want is you know you don't have to touch you can bring in feathers you can you know there's all sorts of things that you can play with yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that sort of leads into another question that was a little bit later on um how do I make my boobs feel sexy again when I'm breastfeeding which I think is just like such an interesting concept right Yes, it really is. I think, you know, women's journeys with their breasts as a whole is is so fascinating because, totally. you know, one minute we're a kid and we're running around carefree with our top off, the next we've got these little rosebuds popping and, oh, God, mum's buying us a trainer bra or, mm. you know, all of a sudden close that off from society and don't let, you know, you can't have baths with your your brother anymore oh, I mean it's just it's just bullshit but yeah. um you know and then and then we don't even get the choice as we grow up whether boobs are sexualized or not mm. you know because actually boobs are just boobs they are just fatty tissue that are there you know on a very physiological biological level to breastfeed 
you know mm. and um and then you know so so it is about us choosing whether we want them to be of a sexual function or not mm. and i think this is the important part here like from this question is how do you you know bring the sex back to them and yeah. so i a bit of work that i do with some of my clients is like a reclamation of those breasts because kind of like yeah the other question of like you give so much it's like what is yours you know what is yours what is your baby's what is your partner's your breasts are yours and so breast massage is huge for this reclamation piece Mm. of looking in the mirror touching them tenderly massaging connecting in looking at them how they look now and I think it comes back to that acceptance piece and looking at them with curiosity, like, wow, they look different now. Wow, they've, like, you know, bring in that awe. Wow, you've fed a baby or you've mm. just changed because of pregnancy. And then seeing if you can wake them up in a sexual way, you know, just by that sort of massage and touch. And, like, that massage doesn't have to be sexual, but for this person that's wanting to see if they can kind of shift it into a sexual place, um. Yeah, it's definitely doable, but you just have to almost touch them differently to how they are being touched during breastfeeding. It's almost like the brain needs to see quite a different uh, pathway. Yeah. 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 That makes total sense. Thank you. Mm. Cool. Um, I find it harder to climax after birth. Is this normal? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean everything's changed and shifted and um, what may have worked before sometimes doesn't. So it's about finding new ways or, um, or yeah. So I guess I'd be curious to know how this person used to climax Mm. and and what their kind of go-to was Um, because, you know, we can get a lot of cues from that and you can, and I, I would really think that you can do that. Um, again yeah um, it is just about yeah kind of strengthening a new neural pathway for your for that pleasure center mm-hmm. um, and sometimes you know we get so fixated on an orgasm or the climax um, instead of really just enjoying pleasure mm-hmm. in the body and I think if you really just follow the pleasure and take away that pressure of the climax um, like I said you know arousal hates pressure Mm. um you just follow and relax in and enjoy you're so much more likely to reach that orgasmic place without trying yeah yeah awesome Mm. do i have to wait the six weeks or is this just a recommendation so if i've had a baby baby and i feel like i want to have sex again before six weeks what what does that look like yeah Absolutely. I mean, it is just a recommendation. Nobody knows your body better than you, mm. you know. Um, there is heightened risk of infection and stuff if it's very close after birth yeah. um, because everything is a lot more tender and raw and um, there could be all sorts going on in there. So, you know, just really listen to your own body and mm. really honour that. And if you are worried, then, yeah, let's redefine sex again and maybe it's not about penetrative sex maybe it's about other stuff you know you can definitely get a lot of pleasure from from alternative things than penetrative sex yeah yeah 
Okay, cool. Now this question I just think is like we learn we learn these things as we like grow up and whatever and we learn about sex and I just think this question is just um the sort of epitome of what our society is around sex. But this person is anxious that their vagina is not going to feel as nice um after they've given birth and uh, wanting tips on how can I talk to my partner about the fact that my vagina might not feel the same anymore? Do you think that this person is um, anxious about it won't feel as nice for the partner? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I guess like my first thought there is like, sis, mm. worry about yourself. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you should be, you know, if you're feeling anxious, you should be feeling that for yourself like Mm. you deserve to be having really good sex and it should be feeling good for you yeah um yeah but 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 I do want to say that this this feeling and this anxiety around it is totally valid you Mm. know because we do get um kind of told by society that we won't be as you know have a tight pussy anymore Mm. and it won't feel as good and you know the old husband stitch joke yeah absolutely disgusting by the Mm. way um is like it's it's not true like vaginas are so malleable and strong and they're muscles and you can Mm. do kegels and but i i say that with a clause because people need to learn how to do kegels properly um but you can yes it might feel different and so yeah just it's one of those communication pieces where you Mm. need to just be so vulnerable with your partner and share that fear and I bet you nine times out of ten your partner is gonna hold you and say it's okay like Mm. I'm sure it's gonna be amazing and you know and then and then when you feel ready you can just try Mm. and see what it feels like and um yeah I mean it's it's it will feel good. Let me just tell you. <laughs> um, sorry, I just had a phone call come in. I don't know if that. That's okay. Stopped. Okay. Um, yeah, it it, it it takes time for the vagina to come back to um, a, a sort of stronger, um, more controlled version of itself. Yeah. It may not ever be the same again, and that's okay. Mm. You know, it changes, it evolves, but you can do things to help support support it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Awesome. Cool. Now I've got two questions left. Um, the first one is, when is it no longer normal to not want sex? It's been three years since my birth. So I think I know we covered this a little bit earlier with the six months, but what about people who are sort of, you know, a good couple of years down the track and still feeling that same way? Yeah, I mean, it's such a hard one. I never like to use that word normal at yeah. all. So it's just about what's what's right for you. I mean, mm. if somebody's writing in questions like this, it feels like they must be concerned about it, you know, yeah. or yeah. or they want to be having sex again. Mm. Um, so, you know, some people go for years and years without doing it or wanting it and, like, they, they feel fine with that. But if they do want to change it, there are definitely ways to do that. And I think getting some outside help and some yeah. support is definitely the way to go with this because, you know, we shouldn't have to do this alone. It's a big yeah. topic. And yeah. if our, the longer we leave it, the harder it is to get back into it. It's mm. almost like it feels like a 
foreign country and it is about coming back into connecting with the body. I would say this person's probably quite dissociated from their body mm. um, and it's about the small steps of becoming more embodied so that they've got space to feel again, mm. really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And this question was the one that came through the most, so I thought I would leave it till last. Um, do you have any tips for loving your postpartum body? I do not feel sexy anymore. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm all about, like, self-love and stuff like that, but I also think this kind of, like, love yourself, yeah, yeah, rah, rah kind of um, movement that's big at the moment is 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 a bit – it's a bit of a farce, to mm. be honest. It's hard. It's really hard to love yeah. our bodies all the time. And so what I work with and, and aim for is acceptance. Mm -hmm. Because once we've got acceptance, we can move into the love. And the love comes from gratitude, really. So yeah. I think acceptance of, wow, okay, my body is different. Okay. Gratitude. Whoa, my body has grown a baby. What mm. the holy hecka that's incredible um and then it's about finding like bits of awe for your body like what what can your body do now that you're like into can it dance sexy you know can you every day put on a sexy song and allow yourself to move mm. sexy you know um mirror work is really important for accepting the new body mm -hmm. so being able to really like look at it you know and the and when I say look at it I, I'm gonna invite you to bring soft eyes because we're so quick to go in for the judgment mm. and every time like studies have shown this every time we actually look at our bodies and we have a judgment we do release cortisol in the body so that's the last thing our body needs right our body needs love and oxytocin and mm. you know all that those good stuff going on for us to love the body um but yeah I think moving in a sexy way mirror work looking at ourselves with curiosity and awe um the reclamation of the body so like the breast massage um and I would say you might not feel sexy anymore but see what you can do to cultivate that. Mm. So um, self-pleasure is going to be your best friend here because if you can give yourself pleasure in your new body, you're going to start to feel, it's just going to shift things on a cellular level. You're going to make brain connections like, oh, okay, that does feel good. Mm. You know, when we're afraid to touch ourselves because we don't feel like we want it or our bodies are so different now we don't feel sexy it doesn't matter if we can actually feel like arousal and pleasure in our bodies things start to shift so whilst I'm always a big advocate for honoring the body what I do say is sometimes just start hmm. just see if you can actually wake up your genitals and wake up your body wake up your erogenous zones and bring that pleasure into the body because the more we feel that pleasure the more we're going to want it so start slow but see if you can just cultivate that essence of sexiness and and sexy dancing i know mm. it sounds a bit weird but it really 
really helps and it helps with embodiment it helps with us feeling and like kind of you know um building that fire Mm. in 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 the pelvic bowl which is really vital for arousal and 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 feeling like we're in a sexual body again yeah yeah Mm. awesome well thank you so much morgan for for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us today i just think like we don't have these conversations enough because I don't know, it's taboo or it has been taboo in the past and it makes you feel like you're just so on your own and nobody else is going through the same thing and everyone else has these wonderful sex lives where they're having heaps of sex and it feels amazing all the time and why isn't that me? So I just, yeah, I'm super grateful that you've been able to share um, some of your wisdom with us today because I just think it's so important. Oh, well, thank you for having me because I I totally agree and I think this is the thing and I love that with those questions you've said, we've had a whole heap of the same thing Mm. and you're right because it is people feel really alone on this journey, but it's not. We're we're all in the same boat. Bodies are like they're so complex, but they're so simple, you know, And, and, and just dropping in and acknowledging and breaking through these taboos makes such big changes. So thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you. And if somebody wanted to work with you, um, how would they go about getting in touch? Yeah, you can go to my website, morganpen with two ends, .co.nz, and then it's got a list of all my services that I do there, and I, I work online. Um, so I work with people all around the world. And, um, and then, obviously, when we're not in any form of lockdown, I <laughs> do um, hands-on work with vulva owners as well. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you, Morgan. It was so lovely to chat with you. See you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this bonus episode of Kiwi Birth Tales with Morgan Penn. I hope you have got something useful out of that episode. And like we said at the start, I hope it makes you feel a little less alone and just like what you might be going through. Um, other people are going through too so yeah super grateful to Morgan that she was willing to share her knowledge with us on the podcast I hope you enjoyed it and I look forward to bringing you more of these professional episodes planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.